Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the All In Podcast, Southern Area High School Athletic Leadership Council Podcast. Very excited for today. Uh, we have episode 10 coming at you. Uh, special, special episode today. We call this the Legends Edition uh, for the All In Podcast. Uh, we have the Southern Area High School Class of 2017 grad and current Syracuse Orange Men Lacrosse player, Jake Fott, with us today. Welcome to the show, Jake. How's it going, Mr. Stanton? It's going well. Hey, you're a graduate now. You can call me Dennis if you want, but uh, All right. it's, it's awesome uh, catching up with you here this morning, and I'm very, very thankful that you were able to carve out some time for our listeners. Uh, Jake, you're someone that, that we talk about a lot here at Southern Area High School uh, from a leadership standpoint, a work ethic standpoint, so this is an absolute treat having you back here today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No doubt, man. So for our listeners, uh, I know a lot of our listeners have been used to hearing our current student-athletes. Uh, this is a little bit different vibe here this morning with a, you're our first alumni uh, and it's very fitting you're our first alumni because when we talk about going all in with our, from a leadership standpoint and also just an athletic standpoint, you've epitomized that throughout your career at Souderton and obviously at Syracuse. But for our listeners that might be, have been living under a rock in Souderton in the last five, seven years, I'm going to just give them a quick little background. Jake had an inc incredible wrestling and lacrosse career here at Souderton, which we're going to talk about. Um, and here at, at Southern Area High School was one of our best wrestlers, uh, was an All-American wrestler, an all-conference wrestler, uh, but also kind of morphed into this lacrosse player, this face-off player, but did a whole lot more than was just face-off. He was a U.S. lacrosse high school All-American. He scored 32 goals for us, had 16 assists, and, and won 75% of his face-offs as a senior. He was a two-time captain and one of the best captains I've ever seen, not only at Souderton, but obviously I've worked with college players and professional players, one of the best leaders I've ever been around. Uh, he was a three-time first-team All-League Suburban, first-team selection, two-time All-Intelligencer selection. He played club lacrosse for Twist. Um, you know, he was a hotbed All-Star team selection, Philly Showcase All-Star selection, and just an incredible leader. He then transitioned that into play at the highest of levels. You know, when I think of Souderton alumni, I don't know of someone that has played at a higher level than you uh, at Syracuse in the ACC. As a freshman, he worked his way onto the field uh, and played in some games. And then as a sophomore, had this incredible jump where he led the AC in, in ACC in face-off percentage, uh, nearly 70% of his face-offs, which is just incredible. And then obviously the junior season was cut short by COVID-19, but was an honorable mention All-American uh, for the Orangemen. And aside from all this, Jake is just an incredible young man. Anyone that's been around Jake, uh, both at Souderton and Syracuse, I know feels uh, who he is as a person, how he affects other people, and just an absolute pleasure to be around. Uh, as I said before, he epitomizes being all in as a leader and as a student athlete. So Jake, thank you again for jumping on here, man, and carving out some time. And uh, you, you, why don't you catch our listeners up a little bit? You, you were at Syracuse this year and the school year uh, was cut a little bit short. So you've been home for how long, Jake? I've been home since uh, I think I believe before Thanksgiving break. So I've had a, I've had a a while home. It's been nice, nice and relaxed, and able to uh, hit the gym and kind of get some work in. Yeah, where have you been working out? Like, what have you been doing? Um, you know, to to kind of stay in shape and stay fresh for the season. So um, I've been going to uh, just the local YMCA and doing the uh, the training packet that my uh, trainer has given me up at school. Um, Unfortunately, uh, they closed the gyms recently, so I've been going to my uncle's house and getting some like body weight workouts in, running around. Uh, lacrosse wise, um, I've been going to like the Malvern area and getting some uh, face off uh, face off draws in with the guys uh, in the area, like some college guys. Um, 
which is nice. It's like a small little community. So we're all able to get together, have like a little group message. Um, uh, so yeah, that's been pretty nice. That's awesome. Where are some of those guys, where do some of those guys go to college that you're working out? So with? we have, we have kid from UVA, um, Maryland, Navy, Georgetown, Rutgers, St. Joe's. I mean, the list goes on and on. Like, like I said, like lacrosse is a, a huge hotbed in Philadelphia. So you got tons of guys to work with. And that is just face-off guys? Just face-off guys. Yeah, I mean, it's just a small-knit community. I remember when you would talk about this when you were here, uh, and Mark Prinzhorn would talk about it. Um, and, and that's kind of really where the servant leadership model uh, in the lacrosse program started was with you. And I would see you on the sideline with players that have never done face-off before. And I remember you kind of teaching someone, like, it's like steering, steering the wheel of a car or a truck or something yeah. like that. Um, maybe you could talk about like when you were, and we're going to talk a ton about this here today, but like when you were a leader, uh, when it comes to servant leadership and serving others, uh, how did you approach your leadership mindset here at Southern area high school? Hmm. My leadership, how do I approach it? I kind of wanted to treat everybody the same way that a star, like every, I believe everybody should be treated the same, regardless of you're at, you're a first year player to you're an All-American and you're stud on the field. Uh, I think that if you have a locker room where you walk in and the star player is saying what up to somebody that is just on the team and, and treating every school player the same and making sure, just not even lacrosse-wise, just like making sure everybody, you're, you're coming to the locker room and you're saying, what up, dude? Like, how, how, was, your, how was your day today? What, what's going on with your family? Um, Hey, you're having trouble with this. Let me pull you aside and tell you how this game plan is going to work or how this strategy is, is, is kind of what we're going to do here in a sense of in that way. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I think that was, I was able to view that as an athletic director and I always appreciated that about you, you know, your relational leadership, you always had relationships with student athletes. And, you know, I remember watching you play lacrosse and specifically like, the, the few times, because obviously you were a face-off guy for us, but you were our everything. Like, you, 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 you are a motor, you, you uh, facilitated, you scored, assists, all those yeah. things. But the very frequent, infrequent times that you were subbed out of the game, um, you were just like a freak on the sidelines. Like, you never stopped moving. Your mouth never stopped moving. Your body never stopped moving. But you would take time, literally. Like, I remember watching you on the sidelines with a face-off guy that played JV that just learned how to do a face-off. Like you would teach him something about what you just did uh, in the game. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think that's just like I think it's just like I take it. I sort of the same thing now. Like with my like with my freshman guys. Like I think me teaching other people mm. expands my game and helps me understand my game more. And it's still and I do I love seeing people getting better. Cause I feel like if I'm not helping out other people, one, they're not getting me better because we're competing against each other every single day. Mm -hmm. And by them getting better, it just makes me feel better about myself. And it's more of like, cause in a sense, we're competing in a job together. Like it, up at Q's, like I tell the guys like, Hey, like I want you to beat me and guess what? I'm going to beat you. And if we're, if I'm, if I'm not helping you out, we're not getting better as a group. So I feel like if you work together as a unit, it only helps your chemistry and it only helps it, each other get more competitive. And, and, and that equals just a better unit as a whole. And, and it, your, your ceiling is going to get higher and higher. Oh, I love that, man. And I, I think that, 
you know, you didn't pay lip service to, to leadership. And I think sometimes leaders do like they, there's not like an authentic and genuine element to it, but the way you're talking about it, even just here this morning about what it looks like at Syracuse, like I can attest to the fact that I observed this at Souderton. And I remember just sitting there like with the athletic trainer and I'm like watching you do this in the middle of a North Penn game or in the middle of a Penn Ridge game when you would come off from that face-off sometimes, because usually Prince Horn would just leave you in the game the entire game. Yeah. You would come off, you'd take that moment to lead and to share something with someone that was never going to take a face-off that entire game because you were, you were, you had every face-off. Yeah. Uh, and even now you were doing that your junior year. So like that young man wasn't going to take a varsity face-off for like the next 18 months. You uh -huh. know, I just think that's so special. And it was very important for so many of the student athletes to see that and I can tell you right now, man, like that has permeated throughout our programs, not just lacrosse, uh, but other programs as well. So on behalf of, of everybody here, like, thank you for doing that. No problem. Um, so let's take our listeners back. I kind of shared some of your bio of what you did uh, here at Saturday Night High School, but let's take them back to your wrestling days. So when you got to the high school, um, what did it look like for Jake? Because you could have played any sport. I truly believe that. Although I did see you shoot a basketball one time. It's not pretty. It's awful. Uh, really bad. <laughs> you know, I love watching wrestlers shoot basketball. Like, it's just it's a wonderful thing to see. Uh, but when you were coming to high school, was your mindset like September of your freshman year? Was your mindset, I'm a wrestler and may maybe I'll play lacrosse? Or what did that look like? My mindset coming in freshman year was I want to wrestle in college. There okay. was no other... That was, that was my niche. That was my thing. Everything else was football. It probably went wrestling, football, lacrosse. Did you play football freshman year? Yeah. Awful. Not very good. Okay. What position? I was quarterback and safety. I was just like, I think I was like 5'5", five, five, like a buck 30. Couldn't even see over the line. Like just like running around. Like it was just a joke. Were you the starting quarterback? Uh, for, my, for the freshman team, yeah. So that's not like a joke, man. Like you were good enough to start on that team. Yeah. I, yeah. I was, I think I was athletic, but I was just the idea. Like it wasn't like, I mean, you look, you look yourself in the mirror and you go like, I did it after freshman year. I had a, I had a talk with uh, uh, coach Boyd and he was like, dude, like three sports are tough to do if you really want to pursue this. And he's mm -hmm. like, he's like, you're, you're five, four, one He's like, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to play for Alabama. I was like, all right, yeah, you're right. Right. Right, right. Um, yeah, because for, for listeners that know, like I first met Jake when he was a junior. So this, this is kind of new for me as well, kind of hearing about this background. Um, when did you start playing lacrosse? I think I started playing lacrosse, I want to say fourth to fifth grade. Okay, okay. But, but like coming in, that was still just like a secondary sport for you? Yeah, I love, I love the game. I just I, – I, I played it because I like really enjoyed – it was like a fun sport to me, like – wrestling I took very very seriously and football was a very very serious sport like if you watch me wrestle um in middle school and in football and then you watch me play lacrosse lacrosse was a very like if I had a bad game it was like eh whatever I had a fun time who cares it was a very like enjoyable sport for me yeah so so your freshman year lacrosse what did that look like were you on the JV team were you on the varsity did you start I was on the varsity team my freshman year and I was kind of like I was a role player like I play like I didn't I never faced off till freshman year so I was like a midi and I, I was a role player I couldn't really dodge well I didn't have the great speed but I could I could pass and catch and I could I could run the offense well 
and we were kind of having troubles with on the face off X and Prince Warren came up to me one time and just like gave me a stick and was like, dude, like, this is how, this is how like you, this is the stance here. Like, like, let's try to face off here. And he put me against our starter and I, and I, I, I won a couple face offs and, and Prince was like, will you wrestle? Like, let's, let's give it a try. So we, we went and I was, I was awful. I got crushed, but I was able to like, muck it up athletic wise and I, and I really enjoyed it because I kind of I kind of took it to a standpoint of wrestling I mean like there's only one time point in the game where the whole crowd's watching you like the game stopped no one else is doing anything it's just you and that's in a sense in a dual meet with wrestling with wrestling everybody's watching you all eyes are on you which I really really enjoyed and, and liked um but yeah really really struggled freshman year with face-offs didn't really do well when he said hey let's take a look at this you as a face-off guy was that like in the fall or that was like during the season like when did you take your first face-off in a game varsity game as a freshman I want to say as a freshman my first game that I faced off was I think it was Hatboro Horsham I think it was like our fourth game okay and I don't think I want to face off at all I think I got crushed (laughs) Uh, um and I didn't, I didn't know, like, I honestly didn't even know, like, what, it, like, what it meant. I just knew that, like, like, I understood the game, but I was like, oh, like, I didn't, like, take it to, like, like, if I would have played that game now and when I had those games in college, like, I would have been, like, dang, like, I would have been, like, really, really crushed. But I didn't understand the position really too much. So I didn't understand, like, oh, like, that was a bad game, but, like, I didn't really know how bad I got crushed. Sure, sure. So walk us through, um, you get through your freshman year, what, what do you win, like 40% of your face-offs? Did, were you the face-off guy for the, for the team after yeah, that? Yeah, I was like, me and Johnny Rice were kind of going back and forth, but I was mainly the, mainly the guy, yeah. And then did you won like 30%, 40% of your – Yeah, probably somewhere in there, 30 to 40%. Okay, and then so the summer after your freshman year, was there like a point in time where you're like, okay, this is, this is something that I want to do, this is something that I want to, you know, go, you know – start working hard on in the off season like when did that progression start you know where you know your mom has the whistle I'd love this story where your mom had the whistle in the living room and you were grinding on the on the living room carpet doing yeah tell us about that like when did that that start it all started after I think it was right before like I would go to the wrestling season wrestling in the summer with coach Boyd and and that's when he was like hey dude like you got to decide here like pick a sport and and I picked wrestling and lacrosse and I remember I went to my mom and I was like, Hey, like, like I want to, I want to like, if I can get good at this lacrosse, like with this face off thing, like let's really take it seriously. So my mom and Prince Horn and I looked around the area and uh, we looked at like this place called Philly face off where like we're all the, the top guys in the state go. So me knowing nothing about face offs. <laughs> go to my first ever face-off practice um, with like the top guys in the other face. I got crushed. <laughs> when I tell you I didn't win one face-off, I, 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 I didn't win one face-off. And, and my mom was like, this is what's going to happen. Like she was like, you, you don't know this position. You need to work at it. She's like, if you don't like, if you want to get better, we need to keep doing this and we need to work at it at home. So that's, that's really what we did. We, 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 we looked up videos. We went to clinics. My mom was blowing the whistle. Um, I was doing everything I can to get in each week. I would try to win one extra face off against those guys. And at the, and I, and I also started facing off with my, uh, 
with uh, my club team. Okay. Um, who wasn't a great club team at the time, but I was, I knew that I could play for this team and I could start most other club teams. I wasn't able to start at. And each week I got better and better and better and better and better and better. And by the end of the summer, I, uh, there's this like at the end of the summer, they do like a tournament for each, each week of practice. And it ends up being like, you get to the finals. And at the end of the summer, my goal, like my first goal was to get into the finals. And at the end of that summer, going to my sophomore year, I made it into the finals into that um, with that Philly face-off league thing, um, which like I was super proud of and had like a, a really good summer and felt like really confident going into my sophomore year, but still knowing that like I was a nobody, but I still had something to prove. I love it. Um, first shout out to Beth Fopp for, for working so hard. Wonderful uh, woman. A wonderful woman, wonderful parent, raised a great young man. Um, miss seeing her around the building at wrestling meets and lacrosse meets <laughs> games. Um, but I like a bunch of things that you said there. First and foremost, um, the element of, you know, wrestling and lacrosse and what it looks like. So just for our listeners, that face-off, that tournament at the end of the summer where you made it to the final, you go there and basically it's a face-off tournament, single elimination. So what it is, it's so you go in. So the first, let's say, first 45 minutes are just like draws. We, we pick a partner and you rotate partners throughout the whole entire 45 minutes. And then after those 45 minutes, you have like a tournament mode. And you just, the coach picks somebody and you face off against somebody. And you do that until there's two people left. So yeah, single elimination. It's awesome. And... Uh-huh. The and finals who, sort of went who, who was the guy that, that was in the final? Do you remember that year? Yeah, I do. I was, um, it was Anthony Giuliani, who's at Penn right now. And he was like a two-time, like, all-state face-off guy that I was never really able to, able to beat. I lost in the finals, but I thought it was, like, still cool that I made it there and whatnot. And that helps for recruiting, right? Is that kind of what puts you on the map for recruiting? So, no, it's all, like, not, like, not really because it's all behind the scenes. Like, no coaches are there. The, the, the recruiting's all in the summer. Okay. Like, same with like the whole AAU thing, I think. Gotcha. Gotcha. So then when did the recruitment start? And before we get to your recruitment, um, I want our listeners to hear what you said about club lacrosse. You said, you know, it wasn't the best club cross team, but it was a team that I was going to start on. I was going to play and I was going to have value to that team. Yeah. And I think that's important for our listeners to hear because you got uh, football, basketball, baseball, lacrosse student athletes listening to this podcast and everybody wants to play for the best AAU club team but it's, it's about fit. It's about where you're going to play. It's about yeah. where your game might be. Um, you know, you might have better exposure because you're actually going to play. So did you have that kind of discernment when you were looking at, you know, whether it was like the Dukes or whether it was, you know, Mesa or whatever? 100%. So my eighth grade year, I played for Twist. And exactly. we were like one of the top teams in the state. I, and I barely played. Mm. I barely played. And my mom was like, and I think this is like the biggest thing that someone should look into as – like when you're in high school and you're in NAA or AAU or any summer club team and you're trying to play college sports, my mom and my co and my mom was like, you don't play a lot. And if you want to get better, you're going to have to be on a worse team to get that exposure and to get that playing time. Cause she was like, I was like, Oh, like coaches are going to go to those games and want to see the best teams. Wow. And she was like, coaches are going to go to those games and see you sit on the bench. She goes, you're going to play those top teams. And if you do well against those top teams, coaches will see you. And I think it's, it's, it's an ego check in a sense. And it's tough for kids at that 14 to 18 year old phase. But I do think 
the main reason why I got recruited was because I played on a worse team and was able to be like, oh, that kid stands out 100%. And I got that playing time. I never won a championship. And I, and, and, and I, didn't, I didn't mind. I was, I was playing the sport and the position that I wanted to do. And I was doing well at it while playing for a not as good team. It's great advice, man. And I'm glad you talk about the ego because in sports, both with coaching and players, ego is the enemy. And it's something when, when people would watch you play lacrosse in high school and people would watch you practice. Like I remember even like watching you practice in February in the gym, in the doldrums of winter, like you, you always kind of checked your ego. You play with a lot of confidence. You play with a lot of swagger. But like there was never an ego about you when you were interacting with other players on the team. And I think that's what made you successful and what's really changed our program, you know, our, our, our lacrosse program. Um, yeah. So that's just it's an important uh, distinction there. And I think it's great advice for everyone that's listening, not just lacrosse players, but anyone that's looking into the club scene, which is now so prevalent in all of our sports. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so great summer after the freshman year, both in the faceoff league and in your AAU. When did the recruitment start? When did like Syracuse, like how did this happen? So, so I went to the, when the, everything came in, came into fruition, I went to NXT showcase. It's probably the biggest, um, at the time was probably the biggest showcase of all of lacrosse. Mm -hmm. um, and what it is, is like, I mean, it's a showcase game. You go, you get placed on a team, you play three or four games and, and you, and if you make it to the all-star game, you do, or if you don't, you don't. Um, and I ended up getting lucky and playing a lot of like, so the top, all the top guys are there. And I play games who they weren't against the best guys in the area. Okay. So I had a really, really good day, like unreal day and made it to the fab 40 all-star game. And um, I didn't understand how big it was or how big of a uh, opportunity that, or what was going to come after that made it to the all-star game was so shocked it was like in front of I think I think there was like 70 coaches there during the game and is this um, when is this like September of your sophomore this is this is I think fall of my sophomore year yeah got it got it um made the all-star game and didn't win one face-off during the all-star game not one <laughs> got crushed and John Bodner my face-off coach like came up to me with the biggest smile on his face and was like you don't have you have no idea what you just did wow. he's like He's like, that's going to open up like flood floodgates for you. And I was like, all right, like we don't like, and like, I think the next day, like I got a call from Hostra and then I got a call from like Mount St. Mary's and then it was like Rutgers, but it wasn't anything like the one thing that I'll say was I, I wasn't, I knew the one thing that I think I've always had about myself was I knew I wasn't I knew I wasn't great. Yeah. Like I knew I wasn't capable of going, like I knew I wasn't the top guy, which like always I think pushed me to be better. And I wasn't getting highly recruited. Like Hostra is still a division one team, but they're not a top 10 team. Mount St. Mary's is a, not a ranked team. I got mm -hmm. recruited by Mammoth, And I was, I was talking to those guys and I was super excited about it. Um, and then the season came around um, and I was crushing it my sophomore year and everybody's like, who's this kid? No one, no one like knew who I was. And, and then I think in like, I think I had like the highest percentage in the suburban one, which we don't like suburban one's not a great league, but for lacrosse wise, but like, you know, like 
I was still making a statement for myself. And then out of nowhere, they decommitted their, they decommitted Syracuse decommitted um, their faceoff guy. Okay. And they, they called their local, they called the North Penn head coach, Sean Ruin, um, who I'm close with. And they said, they, we need a faceoff guy. Do you have any suggestions? Like we're interested in Jake Fopp. And, they, and Sean called my mom and they're like, Hey, they're interested in Jacob. And she laughed and she was like, there's no way like, <laughs> they were, I think they were, they were like top five in the country. And she, she told me and I was like, there, yeah, whatever. I was like, whatever. I called my face-off coach, John Bodner, and he was like – he laughed as well. He was like, dude, like, no offense, but I don't think you're at that level. And I was like, I, I completely agree. So I ended up going up for a visit, and we went up as a joke. Um, and like, I, so like coach was going to take you around campus and all that. So I, I went on campus. Coach Rogers got in touch with me, and he was like, we'd like to get you on a visit. I was in shock. Like, I was like, all right, like, we'll go up as a joke. I don't really think, like, I, like even though I got asked to be on the visit, my still number one option was Mammoth. Mm. I was a great small school for me. I thought that was, like, my level at the time. Went up there, loved it. I mean, you, you, you can't not love it. I, I, I just loved everything about it. Um, and then I don't know if you want to ask any more questions from here, but if I can keep going, it's up to you here. Keep going, man. No, I'm loving it. Keep going. So saw the dome, everything left. And my mom could see. And the deciding factor was, I was like, all right, between Syracuse and Monmouth, most people are like, that's a simple, that's such an easy pick. Right. Yep. But I wanted, I wanted to play. Like I was like, all right, like realistically, I might not be able to play at Syracuse till I'm a senior year. Senior, I might not ever be able to play at Syracuse. Mm -hmm. So I went and went to a Monmouth game. Coach got me tickets to a Monmouth game and I went to go watch Monmouth in Manhattan play. And I sat at the game and I was just like, this isn't what I want. Wow. I sat at the game and all the parents were talking to me about how great this is. And I just didn't see the, what I didn't see what I was looking for. Yep. I went to a Syracuse game and I sat in front of 15,000 people uh, at the highest level. And I go, and I looked at my mom and I go, I don't want to be, I don't want to talk about myself in 30 years and say, well, I could have been the guy that went to Syracuse, mm. but I went to Monmouth and broke these records and had played for four years. And, but I could have went to Syracuse. And I said, I don't want to leave that on the table and go, I want to play for one of the best programs ever in history. And if I don't play, I can still say that I did everything possible that I, that I did, that I, I worked my butt off. I did everything I could have done to get on that field. And that's, that's where my mind was. I love and, it. I, and I, I committed mid-spring season, and I was terrified. What were you I, terrified about? I was – because I knew – I knew I wasn't good enough to commit, and I knew I wasn't at the level of people when they think. I was afraid of what other people thought. Okay. And, and I, would, I would, like – at the summer – like, summer ball, people would, like, ask me if I was going to Syracuse, and I would lie to them, and I would say no. That's that's the summer going into your junior year. Yes, you would say no because you thought you still you didn't think you were worthy enough for that. I was so scared of 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 losing and not being and not keeping up to the Syracuse name or not being. I didn't think I was um, worthy of being able to go to Syracuse. It's so funny because you know when you were a junior and senior, 
you really never talked about it. You know, like no. Prince Oren would talk about it all the time. Prince Oren would talk about you all the time. We love talking about it, but you never talked about going to Syracuse. No, it was a, it was a big um, insecurity that a lot of people didn't, didn't know. Mm. I love the vulnerability and understanding that vulnerability, um, you know, now looking back. And I think, you know, what, what has resonated throughout this conversation is that you never thought you were good enough, you know, and, and everyone yeah. has to ask the best players, uh, you know, what's it like to be confident? What's it like to walk on the field and just go kill the guy from North Penn or, or Penn Ridge? Uh, and what they don't understand is like there's performance anxiety at every single level. And it, the best players never settle. The best players are always under construction. The best players have a growth mindset that I always need to get better. Yep. And you speaking through that here today is, is obviously indicative of the success that, that you still have and that you're still experiencing. Yeah. And I think that's important for our listeners to hear because a lot of people look at Jake Fopp and look at like your lacrosse career at Southerton and thought it was like a cakewalk. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get that. Like you'll, the, uh, hopefully the listeners will like, uh, once we get into my college uh, life, that kind of that the psychological part really comes into fruition. And um, we'll get into that once we get into the college thing. No doubt, man. So for high school, so you come back as a junior. Um, and, and obviously, the, I remember Coach Princehorn. And shout out to Coach Princehorn, your biggest fan. If I'm not your yeah. biggest fan, he's your biggest fan. He is. He really is. Incredible mentor, incredible coach. Uh, but he would always say, you know, that Syracuse and, and college coaches in general, when they would look at you, they wanted you to continue to wrestle. So like going into your junior and senior year, yeah. you wrestled A, because you, you like to wrestle, but B, to prep you for lacrosse, or was, was it both? So I wrestled just because like I, I really loved it. And I think the worst thing that ever happened to me in my wrestling career was that I committed to Syracuse. Mm -hmm. Because the minute I committed to Syracuse is when the talk got, it, it was the talk of, don't get hurt. What if you get hurt in wrestling? What if you, what if like, what do you think wrestling is going to make you worse in lacrosse? And it got all this stuff in my mind where, cause I loved wrestling. I loved competing. Like, like I love competing. I love like getting in the wrestling room, like freshman, sophomore year and like really working hard. And I think I lost that once I committed to Syracuse not saying it was like a bad thing but I, I think I lost that um that oomph yep. in wrestling for myself because I was hesitant because I always I was hearing oh don't get hurt don't do this and I wouldn't push myself to that extra limit that I used to when I was a freshman sophomore year which I'll always regret mm. no, that's I think it's so important that, that we hear that um, because it's hard, especially for the two sport athletes. And if you walk out of my office right now, there's a picture of you on the wrestling door to show that you can do it. You know, you can be a two sport athlete. There's a picture of you diving in your uh, Syracuse lacrosse uniform. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because Prince, Coach Prince Horn at the time was a security guard. And when, when security would like line up who was going to work the games, he worked every single home wrestling match. And if you thought like Beth was nervous when I would look at Beth in the stand, oh, he was shaking. Prince Horn was just as nervous because he didn't want you to get injured for lacrosse. Oh, brutal! Yeah, it was crazy. Um, but you know, let's talk about junior year lacrosse. Um, you know, that was when like really culture ch started changing on the lacrosse program, and and it was a, it was a trying year from a wins loss standpoint. But yeah, I thought we were moving the bar a lot. 
uh, can you talk about like, you know, obviously you're a face-off guy, but like in in the in the high school setting, what was you? How would you define your game? Like, if someone was doing a scouting report on Jake Fop as a junior and senior lacrosse player, what 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 would you what did your game look like? I think if you put us, I think if you put a scouting report of me out, like my game junior year, I think was, I think it was like, in a sense, like game changing um, with like the face-offs. I changed game face-off wise. Mm. I could, I could take it down the field, dodge and score. And I think I had this, this blink of the eye um, motor and um, enthusiasm that, that really, um, that uh, I think really changed the game and, and that would really spark other guys. I think I cared so much about the game and, and it was hard to lose a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. what I think. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to go to Syracuse backtracking and not go to Monmouth because losing so many games that we did in the, in the beginning of my high school career, I was just done with losing. And I knew if I was going to go to Monmouth, I was going to lose a lot more games. Mm. Mm. And, and yeah, that's what I would say for the junior year. Yeah, and and obviously senior year was just a historic season where it really yeah. it changed a ton for our lacrosse program, and we still feel it today. Like when when I walk into the weight room in in February, or I walk into the weight room in September, and to see twenty seven lacrosse players in there in September, that stems back to you know when you were here and what Prince Horn did and what you did. Um, what do you think was the biggest change in in really? going from your junior year to your sophomore year, the output of wins that you guys had in that historic run? So I, I do think the biggest thing is um, I think Prince Horm got the help that he needed. And we got, a, we got a, one of the best coaches I've ever had um, and uh, Coach Wilcox. Mm. We, he got someone that, that really understood the game um, and Coach Prince Foreman and Coach Wilcox worked so well together. And it gave um, – it literally, like, lit a match, like lit a fire in our program to where you – I've never seen, like, Trent Brenneman, like, put in hours of work. And I've never seen Trent Brenneman be so, like, fired up to play a lacrosse game. And it, it, it was just like, it was just like spark that, that everybody had. You had Stephen Blue, this wonderful freshman who just came in. Um, and you, you, you had Jack Morgan. You had all these guys that were like, I want to, I want to play lacrosse. Like they weren't lacrosse players, but they were just coming in and being like, you know what? Like I want to try lacrosse. And it was a great, great spark. Yeah. And I, I think enthusiasm is so important. You talked about like you had this spark of enthusiasm when you played you, you kind of had that spark of enthusiasm when you walked down the hall or when you when you were at a yeah. meeting or you kind of just live with that enthusiasm. I do think it permeated. And I like that inclusion of coach Wilcox because he had that same fire, that same enthusiasm. Yeah. And he had that great balance of holding players accountable. Um, but also, but also loving them as well. And I yeah. remember during his lunch periods, like the guy never ate lunch. He was always, you know, kids were up there watching film with him and, you know, Always. having a, a coach in the building to be able to do that, I think definitely moved the bar for us. He was great. Yeah, he was great. Um, so when you look back at your high school career, lacrosse career, uh, is there a game that sticks out that was your, let, let's, you're, you're a selfless person, uh, but your best individual performance? Best individual, best game. best game, I would say. 
Mm. I can't remember of I, my best game. I can tell you about my worst game, but. Talk about the worst game. Let's do worst game, and maybe the best game will spur from that. So my worst game, Upper Dublin. Um, what just, year? Senior uh, year? Senior year. Upper okay. Dublin, probably one of the better teams in the area. I just came off. Like uh, I, I really dominated one of like the top base of guys in the area, crushed them, and we we had like a quick quick restart game, and I underlooked this faceoff guy. I was more focused on like my midi dodging and what that, and, and Coach Wilcox was like, "Hey, like this kid's like no joke. He he they killed Wally to sleep. He's sneaky. Like make sure you don't underlook this kid." And I was like, "Yeah," yeah, yeah. and I think I had my I think I went like fifty percent. Okay which is like a, a very normal game to have, but like you're going to Syracuse, like you, you shouldn't get dominant. You shouldn't go 50% against some no name kid really, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there was like 200, 300 people there. Um, and we ended up losing the game. We got, we got kind of crushed. And I, I think I got held to like one goal, one assist and 50% face-offs. And I remember coach Wilcox was like in the game, like you got to change something up. Like you're getting beat off the whistle. It's just not your day. Like you have to go like counter mode. And I just, I wouldn't listen to him. And that was like that, like that. I remember that. I'll always remember that game. Cause it was like, it was an ego thing. And I remember like, I walked off at, walked off after the game and like, I cried, like walked off somewhere. And like, cause I knew like, like in my head, like I was the reason why we lost that game. If I go, if I play well, like we win. I always hold myself to that. And I remember for that day, like it was always like, okay, like never not listen to a coach. Mm. And it was because the idea of like, because looking back at it, I, like I still watch high school film just for like the fun of it. And I was like, he was like, he was right. Like wow. he, even though he didn't know the position, he knew the game of lacrosse. Wow. And always learning like from that day, I'm, I, I, will, I will always take the coaches um say over mine yeah it's, it's, the coaches are there in that position for a reason 100 percent. that's a great story it's a great lesson um and also to just perspective too like you're you know people call that you know the face off the trenches you know like you're in the trench a lot of times and you're not yeah. able to be kind of a different perspective uh so I, I think that's that's great value there um so we you go from Souderton uh going in freshman year um, you still, I would imagine the summer going into Syracuse, is there a sense of apprehension? Like, am I in over my head? Am I going to play? Am I going to earn some time? Like, what, what did that look like that summer? Like, were you on campus the summer leading into your freshman year? No, I, I, we went in like the same time ever, every other regular. Um, but it, it was overwhelming. I, I didn't, like, I mean, I worked out a lot. I ran a lot, but it was, there was a lot of unknowns. It was like, well, am I, am I ready to do this? Should I? Should I PG? Should I like post-grad go to a different school? Like, am I, am I even good enough to, to go? Like people, like, like everybody comes back and says um, to me now, all the face-off guys were like, and they would say this like behind my back. And they would like, like during when I was going into college, they were like, dude, like Fop's never going to play. Cause I would get crushed by the top guys. Wow. And they were like, dude, like, like a lot of people thought I would never play. And I didn't know this until I came back um and did so well after sophomore year that's funny I mean it's it's interesting too like I just think that 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 mindset of not being complacent pushed you to a different space 
And I, I think in the back of your mind, like in the back of my mind, like when I would watch you play and I'd watch you work out, you had this different level of athleticism because I watched yeah. you wrestle. I watched you do so many things that, you know, in put in a skill-driven moment of a face-off, you kind of always had that to fall back on, you know? Yeah. Um, so freshman year, you only kind of – you saw the field like, what, four or five games? Four or five games. Freshman year, fall was probably the toughest – time of my toughest I mean like freshman fall I got my butt kicked in practice or in the fall ball games did you play other teams in fall no so we had a mumps outbreak so we weren't able to go play other teams we got got cut short but in practice I got my butt kicked and every aspect of the game everybody was more athletic than me everybody was quicker everybody had better stick skills everybody like in every aspect of the game I would I got crushed on and I, and I went home and I was just like, like, I, like I would sit there and I'd be like, well, am I, am I like, am I a D one player? Or am I a D two player? Like, what am I doing here? Like, I just got absolutely crushed at like, and it took me a, like a while to get comfortable. And I talked to my coach and I was like, Hey, like we have this um, every, every, every year before we go home, we have a coaches meeting with like our, our coach. And I was just like, I'm going to red shirt. And he's like, yeah, I agree. And I think that was like the best decision um, that I made. Cause I knew I wasn't ready to go play a game. I knew I wasn't mature enough. I didn't have, I wasn't ready for the ACC level of play. When did you make the decision to red shirt going home for Christmas? You're saying, mm-hmm. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So I, and I, and I, I worked, I came home and, and I, I kind of, I kind of crushed everybody when I came home. You mean like in the main line doing workouts? Yeah, I, I, I've, I was facing off like really well and beating the kids that I, I wasn't able to beat before. Mm-hmm. And I started to get this confidence. And I started, I started to, when I went back on campus, I, I didn't, it's not that I didn't care, but I was redshirting. So what did I, in my mind, I was like, I have nothing to lose. I'm not going to play. I'm not losing a position. I'm not gaining a position. So I'm just going to go out and enjoy my time on the field. Wow. So I folk and I still worked my butt off. Like I was in the, I was in like the manly field house on, on our turf, like constantly doing reps over and over and over again and understanding the game more and more and picking and picking like our other face off guys minds and adding that all to my game. And I came back and I, and I ended up like really competing against the guys that I, I was like, that I was getting crushed by. And I kept getting more and more confident and the face off guys that we were going like that, that were starters were like having trouble. Like we were, we were like going like 40%. That was like our, their face off percentage, 40%. And my coach kept come like, and my goal was to travel. Not many like freshmen travel and red shirts never travel. Gotcha. And that was my, my goal. I wanted to travel. And I remember my coach came up to me after the first travel, like after the first, um, we're about to travel for the first time. They told me I wasn't traveling and I left and I cried as an 18 year old. I cried and went back to my dorm and cried. Cause I w- it meant, it meant so much to me to travel. And I, and, and I, and that was the first goal I ever made in college. And, and I always remember that. Like I, I failed it. That's what I thought. And that Friday came around, we were about to travel, and I got a text from my coach. He goes, pack your stuff, you're going. 
<laughs> and it was like one of like the coolest things ever. Like we went, to, I, got, I was on the charter plane to go to UVA. I had, I had, I had the, the gear on and, and it like, it was just the coolest thing ever to me. You were Pat, you were in front of 15,000 people and it was, it was so cool. Mm. And then. And, and so from there, you, you, that whole freshman year, you still were considered a, um, a red shirt, but you, you didn't get in. Did you get in games? So, yeah. So once you step in a game, your, your red shirt's taken off. That's what I so, thought. Okay. Yep. So my coach was like, Hey, like you, you could go possibly go into this game. You can go in this game. So we went in, we went into Duke and he, before the game, he was like, you're going like, this is like in the morning. He's like, are you ready? And I was like, yep, I'm ready. Didn't tell my mom, didn't tell anybody I was going in. <laughs> because I, I, I heard it before I was going in. Like I heard it before many other games and I kind of just like, I didn't lose hope. I was starting to get frustrated, but I was like, oh, like, I don't, like, I don't know. Like, am I going to go in or not? Yeah. Um, and halftime came around and I didn't go in. I put on my long sleeve shirt and coach came, came up to me and he was like, you're, you're, you're get ready. You're after the first face off, you're going in. And, uh, I went in and I couldn't even tell you how it felt. It didn't feel like anything. I think I was so shocked. Like I didn't have any, I was like surprisingly relaxed. Wow. And it didn't feel like normal. It was like, I was like just spaced out. You were just kind of falling back on preparation, falling back on what you've done your whole life. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess so. I just like, I literally like he was, they scored and I just ran out there. And then like the whole rest of the game. No. So what I did, I took seven face offs and one, one got crushed. <laughs> um, and that was like the first time, like I was like, I was, I was like, okay, we won it overtime. Um, and I was like, I was like, oh, like everybody came up to me and was like, oh, like, dude, like great job. Like so cool. Like you got into play. And like, I was like cool that I got in the play, but I was like, I went one for seven. Like, what are we, what are we saying good job for? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I, I didn't, I didn't play. I think I took 12 face-offs that year, my freshman year. I play, I got garbage time. Wow. Um, and I, I, I would, I cry, I, I would cry. Cause I was like, I got, I thought I got screwed over. Cause I, I'm, I'm big on like, I love lacrosse so much. And I wanted the, cause my big thing was like, all right, like I'm, I'm going to take my red shirt freshman year and then next year I'm gonna be a freshman and I can I can maybe start and then have those four years to start so I was pretty crushed and then we had our after a freshman year like I played well in the games that I did I took I think like maybe three like I think I ended up going like let's say 50% on the year like six six for 12 whatever um and at the end of the year we had our exit meetings and I told coach I was like I'm gonna play next year I was like I'm fully confident that I'm gonna take that starting spot and coach was like, yeah, like you look good. Like, like we'll see. And I had this, I had this like next level mentality that like, that I like flipped this switch and went into like, I don't, I, I guess just beast mode. Like all I did was just lift and train and, and I, and I watched, I watched so much film and I worked so much with Wilcox and, and we trained and, we talked about certain mental, like, 
I watched it. Like I read the book. Uh, I don't know if you know who David Goggins is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I read his book. Geek. You can't, you can't hurt me. Um, and just like I had one goal, and I my one goal was just to beat that starter into the ground. Like off the field, we were friends, but on the field, like to me, like no one, nobody could get in my way of what I was going to get, like what I was trying to accomplish. I love and it. And, and I, go ahead. You set that goal. And, and, and what did it look like in the summer? You're telling you're working out with Wilcox in, in, um, <clears throat> in June, let's call it a seven day work week. You know, yeah. what, what did it look like? You would go lift. Did you have a summer job? Did you go to the main line for face off stuff? My summer job. I think, I don't even think I had a summer job. I th- it was just to win that spot. I think that's all. I think I cut lawns with my grandpa. Love it. And what it was, it was like a hard lift. And the next day it was like a heavy conditioning. And it was like getting, getting to like to those dark spots, like training so hard that like you, till you like, pat, like maybe to like, you can't go anymore, mm. but getting that like one more extra. And this is when my wrestling came back into fruition because I will always um like I always like have to thank coach Boyd for this because I think that people think hard work they're like what other people think hard work is and then like what Tristan Boyd thinks hard work is and that kind of came back into fruition because I kind of went back into the wrestling mindset and was like, I need to work harder than any, like, I, I don't want anybody to outwork me. So that kind of came back and it was just a lot of like pushing myself so hard and making sure like, all right, if I do get beat out, just cause he's going to be better. Not cause he outworked me. I think it's just incredible. That mindset of like, if you just look at that nine month, 10 month period where, you know, you get to campus, you don't think you're good enough. There's apprehension, there's doubt, there's worry. Um, and then when they call you to, to play in the game and you're excited to wear the gear and get on a plane, like most high-level recruits are not phased by that because there's a sense of complacency that they belong there. You never felt like you belong. And I yeah. think it's important for our listeners to hear um, that you're never going to arrive like high school sports, collegiate sports, professional sports. Once you feel like you've arrived, then the work, you, you could still work hard, but it's not the same obsessive work that you're alluding to right now. That dark place, David yeah. Goggins, Tristan Boyd. I mean, I, I love what you're saying here. Yeah. And I remember, I think this is the one thing that everybody at high school level and college level that I remember the Duke head coach said in this one clip, they were in the huddle and he goes, you're all here for a reason. You got recruited for a reason. And I think the biggest thing that sets people apart and can hurt people and set them back or can push them forward, being comfortable, letting loose and being confident in your own skin and on the field will set you above the others. Mm. I think letting loose but caring at the same time is the best thing you can do overthinking. And we all do it. Yep. You, you, you miss a shot. The next time you take a shot, you're a normal mind. The mind chatter that we have is going to be like, Oh, you got to make the shot rather than rolling up in that shot, catching the ball and shooting it mm. rather than, okay, 
you have, and it's the same thing. All right. I got a, I have a three step drop. I'm going to step, step drop and throw the ball to the slant. It's just like, and then, so you miss it the next time you're like, you're, you're hesitant to throw it. Yes. That confidence in, okay. I, I know why I'm here. I got recruited for a reason. Let's make it happen. I love it. And so like to this, to this day, um, when you make mistakes at Syracuse, is there something that you say to yourself or is there something that you remind yourself? Is there like kind of like a mistake ritual that you do, or is it just one of those things that the mind you've, you've trained your mind to this point to play present? So if you want to jump ahead here, Let's jump um, ahead. so, and we can, I can explain this more once we get to the junior year aspect of it. I got, I, I've been working with a sports psychologist and it is the, uh, no, I have one. I have one at home that I have, I go on zoom calls with and whatnot. Who's what? Can you share the name? I'm, I'm yeah, um, Dr. Mitchell Green. Okay. Great. I, the, the best, like, has, has changed my game to, to no other. Because a lot of people think that the game is just physical. Mm. And I think it, it might, it could be 60 40 mental to physical. 100% agree. Because I mean, every single time right now I go and I have a, I have a, I have a pad and every single, I, I log every single training session I have and I log every single practice I have to a T. I have, I have all the keys I have. I have three keys I need to focus on and I'll actually like, I'll say them right. I have, and they're just like, they're just like little keys, like pre-whistle keys. Like I, I, I make sure like that I breathe, like there's like breathing mechanisms. Like I breathe in breathe in two times, three times, breathe out five, uh, whistle ready. Like there's just all these like keys that I have written down and all the stuff that I didn't do well and, um, that I did do well and th things I want to work on before this and it, and it, and it, and I didn't, I didn't believe it, but when you write it down and you're able to see it on paper, it's so much easier to work on and understand how to get better and work through things. And I'll obviously touch on this more once we get, once we get to it, after we get through my sophomore year. No doubt. Um, I, I want to stick on this topic real quick because it is okay. so important, the mental element of the game. And so many people want to talk about, you know, he's, he was born mentally tough. He was born with this. And no. I always tell our coaches and our student athletes, look, there's no guarantee that mental training visualization is going to work, but there is a guarantee if we don't work on it, we're never going to get better at it. So what, um, what caused you to go to the sports psychologist? How did you find out about this sports psychologist? Who set it up and how often do you go? So what caused it was um, after my, so my sophomore year, my mentality in the season was anybody who stepped in front. I was, I was hunting to the top. No I mean, one you knew. Led, you led the ACC in percentage, right? Your yeah, yeah. But no one, like, everybody was like, who is this kid? Like, who no. is this Jake Fopp? He wasn't a top recruit. Like, what, what, like, what is, like, who is this kid from Soderton crushing these kids? <laughs> um, so it went from, I was hunting everybody. And then that season, I, I go from being a nobody and I end up being one of the top 10 face-off guys in the country. Mm. So now you put yourself from hunt, hunting to the hunted. Mm. So, and I try to keep this mentality of, of this bad, like this, this complete beast that no one 
nobody could touch and no, like anybody who stepped in front, but I, is going to get crushed. But I, I couldn't keep that mentality. Cause I was always just like, there was all these what ifs going through my head. Well, what if, what if I'm not the best again? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, what if this guy that's not as good as me beats me? What if I lose my starting spot? And then I'd be like, no, 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 no. Like I'm, I'm Jake Fop. Like I'm a beast. Like get back in this David Goggins mentality. Um, and it, and it, even though like I did technically have one of my best seasons, my junior year, like I was an all American, like I ended up being top three guy in the country. Like my mental state was not there. Um, and when you junior year, you mean the abbreviated season, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was when you were honorable mention All-American. Yep. Were you honorable mention All-American uh, sophomore year? No. I think I got gypped. And face-offs. What's going I know. on? I mean, you might say it's very political, but whatever. <laughs> um, so, 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 let's, so you're, you're going into your junior year, um, and you're talking about, obviously, you're honorable mention All-American. So even after that season, you're, you were about to say, I'm sorry. So like we're, I'm in season, I'm in junior season okay. and, and fall ball is going iffy. I didn't have that same, that same oomph that I did sophomore that I didn't practice. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm the guy, I'm the starter. I didn't have anything. I didn't have that same, like I have to chase the guy at practice. I was the chase. I was the one that get, was getting chased. And it was different because my whole life, everybody thought that I was the guy. Like, if you go, like, if you think of Soderton in high school, Jake, you thought Jake was like, Jake Fop was like a god of lacrosse. Yep. Yep. And I knew I wasn't. I, I had this reality that, like, that I wasn't as, like, I knew, like, where my level was. And I was always chasing, chasing, chasing. And this was the first time ever that I've, I was, the one being chased. I was getting phone calls. I was getting all these interviews. I was like getting compared to free time. All like I was, there was talks of me saying that, Oh, is Jake Fop the best, is Jake Fop the best Syracuse faceoff guy to ever come through Syracuse. And it was just like, wow. And it was a lot. And it was a lot to take in. And, it, and I, and I didn't, and I never understood the mental part of it. So I thought like these funks were, um, um, I thought these funks were just like a technique issue because I was getting my butt kicked in practice. Wow. And, and I was just overthinking every single aspect of the game. Okay. Like, and then something that I think I'm very, very good at. Um, and, and that was stuff that hurts in practice. I, I, I'm, I was really hard on myself always in practice junior year. Everything had to be so perfect, mm. which hurt me. But then when game time came around, there was this switch that I would everything, and I don't know what it is, and I think I, I, I don't know how it happens, but everything just is able to go out of my mind. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, all right, game time comes, do your thing. Nothing matters, react to the whistle, and, and go do what you have to do. Yep. Um, and it, but, like, and it's still what, like, haunt me. Like, oh, like, like, one time, like, we were crushing Binghamton. And I just didn't feel on, but I, I went, I think I went like, I think I, I, I lost one face off. Okay. Went 16, 15 for 16, <laughs> but it, it, I was still in my head. Like, am I doing this right? Like critiquing myself so much that like, I didn't feel off. And the biggest thing that I noticed, and I was after a Hopkins win, we want, we beat Hopkins. And I thought I had a bad game. 
And I thought like, I played bad. We won. And coach Princeton was there. And I went up with my mom and coach Princeton and they were like, Oh, like super. And I started to cry. I, I just started to break down in tears. So I thought I had a, a really bad game. And I thought like, there's just so much built up emotion going on. Yeah. And I just broke down and I said, like, I, I just thought, like, I'm sorry. Like I had a bad game. Like, I don't know where my head's at. And coach was like, just shocked. He's like, you didn't have a bad game. Like doing like Prince Roman, like my mom's like right there. And like, I go look at my stats and I end up going 62%. Now you go. <laughs> and that's when, that's when like, and then after that, like our season was cut. So that our season ended, ended up ending. Yeah. And I, we sat down and it was a couple of weeks later and my mom was like, where's your, like, where's your, like, let's try to do a sports psychologist. And I was like, I don't think it was. And then I talked to him for the first time and it was just like, we talked about this mind chatter and every single athlete has it. I don't care who you are. Yep. Everybody has it. And it's the mind chatter of, I would make up these scenarios before I would even go out and play the game. Mm. And he was like, you're, you're making up these scenarios then to these outcomes, you don't even know what's going to happen. And it, there's just so much like I, I, now, like I talk to myself before I go out on the field or before practice, I write stuff down and there's just so much ways to control your mind chatter and control the mind to take you to a whole nother level that, that I, I think everybody needs to, to be in touch with. Cause it, it is a really, cause you can, I think everybody can be their own enemy at times. And I think I'm my own enemy until I met the sports psychologist. The huh. biggest person who's going to beat me is myself. Yep. And, and help me, help me out with the mind chatter. So you, you are creating negative narratives in your mind about what the game would look like or what the face off would look like. And that would stress you out. Yep. Um, it would be like, so what if like, so the one thing that I think I've always struggled with is if I'm going against someone who's not supposed to beat me is when I kind of stress myself out the most. Yep. When it comes to big games, I live for a big, like I live for big games. I love top 10 opponents. I, that's like, that's my ideal game. I love someone who's toe to toe. Let's go. Those are like, to me, those are the easiest games for me to get you ready. You kind of have nothing to lose in your mind. Yeah, not like not even nothing to lose, but yes, in a sense. Yeah. Like you're you're an all-American, I'm American. Let's put on a show. Let's go. Nice. Um, and it, I, I specifically remember Hobart. Um, they were like a top twenty team, and I, I I was I think at the time I was like ranked number two in the country face-off wise. And I kept thinking like, what if he? Well, what if he does beat me? What if I? What if I do lose to this guy? And this was like throughout the course of the week. Well, what if, what if I don't win? Like all this stuff, like that, like, and, and my sports psychologist would say like, you're putting these, these thoughts in your mind and we haven't even, and it's Tuesday, the game's Saturday. <laughs> and we talked about like talking to our mind chatter and we talked about it as a river and we would let the mind chatter come down the river and we would let it flow we wouldn't fight it because if you fight it you fight the mind chatter the more the more it gets so you let the mind chatter in and you talk to it so i would talk to it and say like 
in, in my mind, I would say like, well, okay, one, I've prepared for my game. Okay. I know that I'm good. I'm here for a reason. The coach has started me and put me in this position because he trusts me. I know the game plan. And when the mind chatter comes, I would literally say, and it's, it's like the corniest thing in the world. And like, you can, you can laugh and, and people can laugh, but I'm telling you it works. And you say, thanks. You literally say, Oh, here it comes. Oh, like, thanks for coming. Goodbye. Mm. And whenever it comes, you go, thanks for coming. I know what I'm capable of. Goodbye. I love this, uh, you know, for so many different reasons, because you're, you're exactly right. Nobody is immune from this in sport and nobody is immune from it in life. Like you're going to have negative thoughts. And I've actually talked to, um, to a bunch of people about how to stop thoughts. Right. And it's kind of what you're talking about. Like you really can't stop it. You kind of got to let it flow and talk to it, work through it, and then get back to, you know, who you are. Um, because those negative thoughts are going to come in your mind at all times before a game. Um, and, and maybe there's some people that don't feel it, but um, for those that do feel it, I, I just really like this mindset of, of, yep. of, of allowing it to happen, addressing it, and then, and then you're ready to play. Like, that's it's really yeah. good stuff. And I think everybody needs a notebook. I think every – and even if it's not even lacrosse, like putting something down, pencil to paper, because a lot of people – and I was afraid. I was afraid to show and say that I'm struggling with my – with the mental game and no one wants to address it because we're all alpha athletes. We want to be like, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. And that's the hardest part of saying and opening up and being like, Hey, I need to work on my mental game. I'm not mentally there. Um, with my, I'm not confident in myself right now and putting something pencil to paper and saying, Hey, like this is where I'm struggling. These are the keys to help me calm myself down when I'm, when I'm having a downward spiral. And, and the biggest thing is when it, if I had a bad practice, my downward spiral would last maybe a week. Mm. And now where I wasn't caught and no one saw it, I would just be like, like in my head, I'd be like, oh, but I would still be like facing off well. But like now it's all about stopping the floodgates. If you have one bad practice, how quick can you stop that? floodgate from happening the immediately when you write that down on what happened that practice and then turning those i've turned every single bad practice into a positive learning experience because if you keep harping on a bad practice bad practice i don't look at a bad practice as a bad practice i look at it as a learning experience because i look back on it okay well was i focused was i doing my three keys no i wasn't doing those check those off next practice this is what we need to focus on putting it into a smaller box makes it a lot easier and seeing it on paper makes it a lot easier than than fighting through this this mental frustration that you don't know and you can't see in front of you and you're trying to dodge it and you're just going to keep going down 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 Oh, it's, it's, it's incredible, man. And you're creating your, essentially you're creating your own toolbox for future failure, for future disappointment. Um, so it's more, even though you're letting the river flow and that part is reactive, you're proactive in a sense that you know, you're going to have bad practices and you know, you're going to have bad games. Well, he, here's the why behind it. And here's how I can combat it moving forward. Exactly. I love it. And, and I think what our listeners need to hear 
is the attention to detail and the point of emphasis that you have just, just surrounding practice. Like we're not even talking about the games. We're talking about what, how you react to a poor performance at practice. And I think so many times we get in the flow of a season and we disregard the importance of practice and we disregard our performance at practice. So like if you're not shooting well, throwing well, passing well uh, at your sport at practice and you're not valuing those reps, and it's really hard to translate that to the game. Very hard. I think I especially think at the high school level and even at the college level, people don't understand how important practice and it's not even at practice you you can't you can't just be a show up to practice guy Mm. you have to show up before school you have to show up after school you have to show up when everybody wants to wants to go have fun with their buddies you gotta and and i'm i'm not saying that you can't go hang out with your friends but you can still go all right, hey, let's go, let's hang out, let's go hang out at so-and-so's house at, at seven. Well, school ends at three, practice, practice ends at five. I can show up to Joey's house an hour late and still have fun and go get my extra grind and stuff like that. 100%. And I tell it all the time, like teams get better at practice, individuals get better on your own. And, and when you're talking about a skill-driven sport like lacrosse or basketball, uh, field hockey, whatever it is, like your skills are only going to get so good in a two-hour practice where a coach has to work on offensive, defensive schema, yep. a game preparation. Like you've got to get reps in. Um, yep. And, and we say up – oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, and we all – like we harp this at, at Syracuse, and I think this is such a simple thing that can happen at literally the elementary level to the, to the college level. Bring a friend. Mm. Bring a buddy. You go to grind. Bring a friend. Because if I'm grinding by myself, I'm only going to push myself to where my mind wants me to go. There is always that little, and, it, and it, it's in everybody. You get that little burn, you want to stop. But if you have that buddy next to you that's pushing a little harder, you, you're not going to want to stop. So bring in a buddy, it's always more fun to train with a buddy. And it, it's, it, and it starts those bonds, and it, you bring a buddy. And then your friend talks to another friend. And next thing you know, you have, you, you're, you're working out with six guys on the team, six guys turns into 15. Next thing you know, your whole team could be getting better after that hour. I love it. It's that universal accountability. And, and I think it takes a special person to work out by themselves and figure yeah. out when that limit is. Like Goggins talks about, you could probably give 40% more. Yes. If you do a certain amount of push-ups, you could probably do five more. And, and that person is, is a special breed. So understanding that that person is a special breed bringing a buddy, grabbing other people along, you're pushing other people along with you. Yes. Um, so uh, junior year, obviously cut short. Now you are um, – this current year that you're in right now, you have this year plus another year, right? Yes. And how often are you meeting with the sports psychologist? Probably every week. I love it. And so do you feel excited about this season, understanding that you're coming from a different mindset Obviously, you have the All-American status. You have the top 10 status. But now you've got this thing over here where uh, a lot of people aren't training their mind like you are. So what's, what's yeah. the feeling right now? So let me uh, kind of let you know. So, so what happened was, and this is when really a lot of – so they changed the face-off position, right? Okay. So you know how you, everybody used to be on a knee? Yep. So now you can only face off on your feet. And you can only have an underhand grip. 
and it was always on your knee moto grip, right? Because of COVID-19? No. Oh, this because is- Because they thought, the NCAA committee thought that certain players were too dominant at the position and changed the game. Which That's is- crazy. Yeah. So, whatever. Very, very dumb rule. So, this summer, I had to go through- another mental battle on the idea of I've worked my whole life to face off this one way. And that's crazy that they did that. I I had no, I I thought that was because of COVID-19. No. So they they changed the position every two years and they decided to change it like this. So I had, it's a whole different way of facing off now. So I had to, one, you go through the mental battle of, am I going to be good at this? Um, cause at the beginning I was, I, when we, they did this mid summer and you're in a pandemic, you can't really get together with people, but you're still able to like get reps in. I was getting beat by, I kid you not getting beat by eighth graders with this new rule. Oh my gosh. And my downward spiral was like, there was, there was tears and there was like, I, is my lacrosse career done because of this? And the little baby steps that I took with my sports psychologist was, was what really saved me in the idea of like, okay, well, let's first focus on the technique. Let's work on your technique and let's go against some kids that aren't as good as the top guys. Cause if you keep going against the top guys that are crushing you, you're not going to get that confidence. So, so when you were, when you talk about like, uh, where were you finding these guys? Was this up at Syracuse or now is this when you're – No, this is just like same kids around – like face just face-up guys around the area. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Um, what analogy could you use to this? Like I can't even imagine this in another sport. Like uh, if you're shooting a free throw, do they now make you shoot it with your left hand or they make you shoot it from the three-point line? It's not even close, right? I mean, it's – Yeah, very- I would say – let's say as a – like I don't know if everybody knows, let's say – I'm sure everybody's seen, let's say, okay, uh, all right, lacrosse goalie. They have those big nets. Yep. The, the big, big mess circles. You give a lacrosse goalie a normal stick and you tell him to save the ball like that because he's too dominant in saving the ball. Wow. Or you take away the, you take away the hockey glove in the, in the goalie because he, he's too good at – they're too good at that. Or you, you, you make the goal – the goal, the goal 10 times bigger in the soccer field because the goalie's too good. And is this NCAA or is ML is like major league doing this as well? So no, this is just college. So when I go, if, if I do go play pro, which I hopefully I will, the rules change back to knee down. Yeah. I disagree with this, with the NCAA. I think. This oh is- yeah, no, but whatever. No, yeah. So, so it was- you've had to change the, you've had to change the format. You've had to change your mind. So, um, what was the hardest transition in doing? Hardest transition was the where the idea of like I'm I go from sophomore year being like having the two best seasons, uh, putting my name on on as like the one of the best face up guys in the country to possibly never not being able to start again, and it was and it was then again the mind chat like it was the mind chatter showing up again. And, and then taking it step by step. So we were looking at the big picture. I was then again, seeing the huge picture of, we're not even at the season yet. 
season hasn't even started yet. We're in the summer. We haven't even started lacrosse yet. Um, and then just stepping back and taking each session one by one and making and doing this new technique and then taking and being like, okay, like, well, I didn't, that, that session went okay. I did that well. Let's work on this more next time. Okay, well, that session went better. Oh, that got worse. But what, what keys do we need to work on that way? And like kept working and working. And, and it was just this, if I didn't have the psychologist, the sports psychologist, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked out. That's incredible. And now are you in a place where if you're going up against, you know, the guys um, on the main line that are playing at Georgetown and are playing at Hopkins uh, with the new form and the new, you, you feel pretty confident? Yeah, I still think I'm one of the top guys in the country. I love it. Because they have to go through that transition too, right? Yeah. And there was guys that were, they were great. It, it, it took everybody different. And that was the idea that I needed to, I was comparing myself to these guys and Dr. Green looked at me and he, he asked me, he goes, are you, are you say, let's, are you Zach Cole? Are you, are you so-and-so? And he goes, what's your name? Who are you? And I said, Jacob Fop. He goes, it's going to take Jacob Fop, however long Jacob Fop, like until like I figure it out. Mm. He goes, it's not, he said, you are going to figure it out. He goes, and he goes, he goes, were you an all American because of, of, of a fluke? I said, no. He goes, did you go, were you, did you have uh, the top percentage in the best conference in the country just because? I go, no. He goes, your talent didn't go out the window. He goes, we just have to work on this and get you back to that guy who you were. And it's, it's the best feeling in the world to work on something mentally and to feel yourself get better at it is, is, is really, really good. It's a great feeling. Yeah, it's incredible. And, and people aren't talking about it and people don't want to address it. People don't want to go to that vulnerable state. And you've kind of always gone to that vulnerable state, even when you were 16, 17. Yeah. You're sitting in the, you know, in the aux gym talking about failure, talking about uh, selfishness, talking about, you know, those things. You always shared that with people. You kind of are always able to go to that vulnerable state. Yeah. Uh, in that you call it a kind of like the dark training, the dark space. I think it's just important that uh, people understand, like, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always, you know, working hard is not easy, but failure is not easy. And, and mental uh, kind of working the mental game is not easy either. No, it's, it's, it's something that I feel like, and I've gone through like every single different type of therapy. I've gone through the, the, uh, therapy. I've gone through the the physical therapy. I've gone through the sports psychologist. Like it's, and I think everybody thinks it's a bad thing. And I've I've always wanted because I've been in therapy my whole life. Sure. And I I think that I've always wanted to get it out there and be very open about it because I think therapy can can change your life in so many ways. And I think everybody's afraid of coming out and saying that hey, like yeah, like I'm in therapy and it, and it's and it's great. And I think I've always, that's always been kind of not like, not my goal, but to make, like, if I say, and someone's thinking about therapy and I'm coming out so openly about it, it will push them to be like, okay, like he's not scared at all to say he's in therapy and the, oh, why not, why not reach out to him and be like, Hey, like, how's this process going? Mm, mm, yeah. And you and that process, that mindset, 
is happening more and more. You see NFL, NBA players coming out, and it's just great to see. Yeah. Uh, have you talked about the mental element to this depth, um, or is this kind of the first time, you know, where you're coming? Um, for the first – this is the first time I've ever talked about it, like – Publicly. Publicly, yeah. Like, I've talked to, like, my teammates about it and been like, hey, like, this is great. Like, I think everybody should do this. Yeah. But out on, like, a, like a platform, no, this is the first time. And we have a lot of followers, a lot of listeners, Jake. So this is going to get out there. It's going to change lives. So this is I awesome. hope so. I hope it does. Um, so now where we are in the current state, our hope and our prayer is that we have a season, that you have those 10 to 15 games yeah. this year. Um, you know, best case scenario, you have those games. You know, you, you know, you do what you did last year, maybe a little bit better, and you have a great senior year next year. Um, where, Jake Fopp, after this, you know, college run at Syracuse, the goal would be to play – um, you know, against the, the Paul Rabels and the Tucker Durkins in, in Major League Lacrosse, right? Yeah, so now it's the PLL lacrosse. It's the, it's the, the MLL doesn't exist anymore. So now it's, the, it's literally the, the, the best guys in the world. They got rid of the MLL. Like, there used to be – now the new league, there was a Premier Lacrosse League, which is the Paul – Paul Rabel made the new league, and those are, like, the top guys. And let's say, like – Let's call the PLL the NBA, and we'll call the MLL the G League. You got it. Um, they just got they just got rid of the MLL. And they so, added. yeah. And, and the craziest thing about this is, like, you put that gear on. They they put you on the plane, and then all of a sudden you're playing a couple reps. You're surprised by it. You know, you are someone that's never going to be really satisfied. But, yeah. you know, if you do what you did last year and a little bit better this year and a little bit better next year, the reality is, you know, you could be playing in that top league. You could be one of the best players in the world at this craft. Yeah. Does that ever even sink into your mind? Or are you so fixed on the process of grinding? It doesn't even don't, – you don't even to think about that. I, I, I don't – I don't – sometimes it does cross my mind. Like sometimes when I sit down and like – I like think about it. I'm like, I'm the, the top five best face up guy in the country. And, and you let sink in and it's like, wow, like that's cool. But like, I, I, I don't, I don't care about what happened in the past in a, a sense. Yep. Yep. And it's like something that's like, yeah, it's cool, but I, like no one talks about the past. Like uh, some people do, but it's like it's a new year. Anything can happen. I'm not dwelling on the past. I I use it the past to to sh ensure myself that I am good mm. to have because I feel like I put myself down a little bit and I and I I'm a little too hard on myself and that's the way I use. It. Like okay, like I am an all American. I am there. Like have confidence in yourself. But I'm always, I'm, I always just want more. I feel like there's, it's just not enough. And that's like a lot of kids on our team. Like, it's just not enough to be an All-American. There's always that something that's more that I feel like I can give. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think that's what's driven you to, to these levels of success. And it's very, uh, it's great to hear someone that is, is doing what they should be doing but you're doing it in the right way. Like I love your, the way you analyze practice and the way you analyze workouts and the way you've analyzed, uh, you know, your performance. I think the best players are their own best coaches. The best players are able to audit their output, their work and everything that they're doing. And, and now this whole, the mental side of things I think is so important too. Yeah. Uh, I think God, sorry. You got it. 
And I think it's the idea of some people think they need to do this by themselves. Mm. And it's people think, well, like, and they might hear this, this podcast and say, look, well, like maybe I can, I can try to do this mental game and do all this coaching on my own. And I don't think if, and if you're able to do that, great. If you find that niche and you have that, but it's okay to have help. Mm. Like I, and I'll say like, I, I'm not an independent person. Like I'm not an independent person. I, I love the help that I'm given from the coaches and Dr. Green and my mom, like use as much as help as you can and get you through this, this, this process or whatever you're, you're, you're dealing with. It's not, there's people out there to help you with, with anything in life, let alone sports, you know, like let those people guide you to where you want to be and use them to your advantage. hundred percent. I love it, man. Um, we, I, I think we've been on here for like an hour and 40 minutes. I think I could go <laughs> for two hours. You are the man. I appreciate you carving out time. It was a great uh, time. Yeah, man, this was awesome. And I am very excited for this year to follow you. Um, we always love when you come back. Obviously, this is a little weird, weird scenario with COVID-19, but you know yeah. you're welcome to come back to Southern Area High School. Um, you know, when I texted you, I said, this is the legend series. And we started <laughs> with the legend. You are the man. Um, on behalf of uh, all of our coaches administration, we're just very appreciative of the legacy that you left. So thank you, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You got it. We'll see you soon. And uh, tell your mother I said hello and, and have a, a great holiday season. Will do. Thank you. You got it, buddy.